Really great to see you again, Professor Yunus, and on behalf of the Center for Strategic Philanthropy at the University of Cambridge's Judge Business School, thank you for participating in this discussion series on the future of philanthropy. Professor Yunus, a Nobel Prize laureate and a self-described banker to the poor, uh, is a son of Chittagong in Bangladesh and credited uh, as the father of social business and microcredit. His decorated career started with uh, academic excellence, earning his PhD in economics as a Vanderbilt University Fulbright scholar and subsequently heading the economics department at Chittagong University. Professor Yunus established Grameen Bank in Bangladesh in 1983 to help the vulnerable exit poverty with microloans and by teaching sound financial principles. Today, replicas of Grameen Bank operate in over 100 countries. As a champion of what he refers to as social businesses, Professor Yunus founded himself numerous companies in Bangladesh that address diverse issues of poverty and development, including in telecoms, energy, textiles, education, uh, agriculture and fisheries. It's a, a major challenge to recount the uh, recognitions that prefer, pre Professor Yunus has received over the years, but some of his most notable international awards include the uh, Olympic Laurel, uh, George Washington's Presidential Medal, Jordan's King Hussein's Humanitarian Leadership Award, and Korea's uh, Seoul uh, Peace Prize. Uh, he's received all three of the highest U.S. civilian awards, the Presidential Citizens Medal, the Presidential Medal of Freedom, and the Congressional Gold Medal, making him one of only seven people in history who has received these uh, awards, uh, including uh, the likes of Martin Luther King uh, Jr., Mother Teresa, uh, and uh, Nelson Mandela. Professor Yunus has published uh, several books related to his finance work, uh, including uh, Creating a World Without Poverty, uh, Building Social Business, and uh, A World of Three Zeros, uh, where he makes the case for a new model that can lead the world to zero poverty, zero unemployment, and zero net carbon emissions. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Dear Professor Yunus, allow me to reflect on Grameen's origins uh, with your original personal loan of $27 to 42 women. And fast forward to today's Grameen Bank that has well over 9 million members, I believe, 97% uh, of which are women. Would you consider this incredible journey that you've had primarily a philanthropic one? And if so, how compatible is that with more traditional business principles? Thank you, brother, for having me. I'm delighted to talk to you on these issues. Uh, Grameen is always made it very clear. It's a business organization. It's, it's not a philanthropic in a traditional sense because philanthropic somehow is equated with the charity, although its broader meaning is quite different. Uh, so I'll take philanthropy as a charity interpretation. Uh, definitely, uh, Grameen Bank is not a charity organization. It's very much a, a financial organization as a business model. Uh, it has its own shareholders, and the owners of the uh, bank are the borrowers of the bank, and a small percentage for the government also. Uh, and they get their uh, dividend to themselves every year uh, with the profit and so on. So it has all the features of any 
commercial organization with the objective uh, with, the, the, with the difference that it's a, it belongs to the borrowers themselves to who happen to be as you said uh, women uh, mostly 97% uh, women borrowers that we have in that so that way uh, it's, it's a it's a financial organization it follows all the rules of finance except that it doesn't take any collateral uh, it charges uh, interest and uh, gets uh, uh, the cost recovered uh, to its own income and has surplus as a profit and profit because it is distributed to the uh, borrowers who are the owners of the bank. Can, 10 years ago, you also co-founded the Eunice Social Business uh, to create uh, and empower social businesses which are solving global problems. Today, Eunice funds uh, grow local social businesses that provide employment, uh, education, and also healthcare and clean water to an incredible 9 million people in East Africa, Latin America, and India. Are you happy with how social impact is being embraced by businesses across the world today? And since the social business model that you champion is a zero dividend business, are you not alienating perhaps those who might want to pursue social goals whilst at the same time generate financial rewards for themselves? The conventional business is designed on the objective of maximization of profit. Uh, because economics uh, created uh, the framework where uh, business has to be created uh, for that objective. Because uh, economists uh, imagine human being as someone who is driven by self-interest. So on that self-interest uh, translated into business is a maximization of profit. So if you follow that path, uh, you don't. You have to ignore many of the social needs that you have. So we have been raising the question that the very definition of human being in economics is done in a wrong way, in a very, very um, uh, subject, um, very limited way, uh, in a damaging way. A human being is not only driven by self-interest, which we agree that there is element of self-interest in human being. But human being also is driven by collective interest. That part is not included in economics. So we want to add that part as a collective interest. So we need a different kind of business to achieve the goal of the collective interest, to solve the problems of the people. So we designed a business uh, to fill that collective interest need, uh, desire of the human being. And that's a business of a kind which is not interested in making personal profit. In uh, self-interest-driven business needs maximization of profit. Uh, collective interest-driven uh, business needs business without any personal interest uh, profit at all. So that's the kind we call social business. It's a non-dividend company to solve human problems. So we are introducing that kind of businesses. People say, oh, no, that's not possible. Why should anybody invest in a business where they don't want to make money at all? Uh, that would be very strange. That would be a crazy thing to do. I said, people are crazier than that. They give away their money. And that's the charity comes. And not only a small amount of money, trillions of dollars has given away as charity. So I'm giving them an option. Uh, you can choose between uh, investing in a social business so that it continues to function and grow and so on. And so in the process, solve human problems along the way. Uh, I said the charity is a wonderful idea, 
it's a great idea to help people, and this has been saving people over, over centuries. Uh, but it has a limitation. The limitation of charity is charity money goes out, does a wonderful work, but the money never comes back. And that's a part of the charity issue. So I said, the one that we are trying to do, what we call social business, social business money goes out, achieve the same objective of solving problems, and money comes back. Then you can reuse the money to do the same thing or do something new again and again and again. It never stops in the process because you create a business, social business, money grows in the process and whatever profit you have, profit is plowed back into the business. So you have a chance to uh, expansion of your business and so on. So compared to charity and social business, I would say uh, social business gives you much better mileage with your money than you do in the charity part of it. I, I'm not denying that charity is a very important thing. In many cases where you cannot come up with a business idea, social business idea, how to solve, address a problem, uh, charity is the only way to do that. And emergencies, always you start with charity and then go gradually move into social business and so on. But with the commercial uh, thing that we have with the profit maximization, you cannot address these issues because your mind is totally focused uh, in solving, in maximization of profit. So you, uh, in a way, I say that um, economists has made us into money-making robots. We are not human being anymore because the word uh, human uh, doesn't exist in economic jargon. Humanity doesn't exist. Uh, that is completely taken out from business. Business is about making money. That's about uh, the whole thing. I said, we want to put it back again that humanity exists, but you need a different kind of business. Uh, in, in addition to money-making business, we are not discarding that, that exists because it exists in human being, but you can also do, in addition to that, you can do social business where you don't want to uh, make personal profit out of it. So that's our thing. And, and the people are responding to that. Not only we have created many social businesses in Bangladesh, as you listed them, and then many companies are coming forward to have social businesses. That's what you mentioned, you know, social business. Uh, they are helping them to do that. Uh, varieties of those social businesses are coming out. Uh, now you mentioned about the uh, sports, uh, the Olympic Laurel that recently gave me in the Olymp uh, Olympic 2020 of Tokyo, Tokyo Olympic 2020. That's because we are inviting sports world uh, to use their power to bring social business to solve problem, societal problems, as well as the problem inside with the sports world. And they love that. And that's why uh, our joint uh, activities with the sports world led us to take the uh, Olympic laurel in the Olympic 2020. So moving from the role of business to the role of government, uh, does the government in these markets need to do more to encourage this form of, of business and nurture more impactful, also giving in general? And if so, how? A government uh, is in a very important situation in the society. Uh, one big role government can play, they can become the cheerleader, saying that this is a good thing to do. Uh, every All the problems society has, always dumped into the door of the government that you have to solve it. And uh, government is, uh, they have no clue how to solve every single problem as they come up. So there, when you come with the social business, uh, you are taking share in solving problems. 
the same problem that government is supposed to uh, solve. Individuals can solve them too, in a business way, in a social business way. Uh, charity is also exists, but this is something more powerful because it comes in a uh, business format. So you have to cover the cost at the same time solve the problem. It's a tough job, but people come with creative ideas, with them, whether it's education, whether it's healthcare, whether it's energy, renewable energy, uh, the uh, uh, people's uh, uh, skill development, uh, many things can come uh, creating uh, jobs, entrepreneurship, uh, turn, uh, converting young people into entrepreneurs in a social, through social businesses and so on, creating venture capital funds to help uh, young people to start their business as a startup, as, as, as their own business, money-making business or social business, whatever they want. But the venture capital fund, social business venture capital fund can put the money in their hands so that they can translate their ideas into doing things. So government can do a lot of things recognizing this uh, and also encouraging creation of social business. Like they can require uh, uh, companies to create parallel social businesses and get uh, some uh, priorities in the giving decision in their favor, whatever they're doing, because they're taking a burden from the government. So they can get a special treatment. And when you're giving licenses, uh, for anything like the license for banking, uh, they can say that uh, if you are creating a social business banking bank, you'll get priority. So you create a social business bank, bank to solve people's problem, not to make money for yourself. But by adding that part that you give priority, then actually you're giving priority, then people will come forward. Yes, why don't they do that? Uh, or if you say education, uh, special priority will be given to education which is a social business education or social business energy company and so on and so forth. Anything social business, they can prioritize. And they can say, we buy from companies which are social business. We give priorities to the companies that, uh, which are social business companies because somebody personally is not benefiting. They are doing it to solve the problem of the people. So we prioritize them to buy things. So government has a lot of power, financial power, use their financial power to do that. Uh, and also their legal power to uh, make them uh, um, the, the laws favoring social businesses and so on. So they, they, they have lots of ways they can support social growth of the social business and teach social business and edu educational curriculum, include that. That's very important thing. Students don't know about it, that there's something called social business exists. Uh, now, the only thing you need, you learn about business, you have to make money. Uh, that's the only kind of business exists in the textbook. So we can introduce that uh, idea that, that there's another kind of business. You can solve people's problem by creating social business. And uh, for example, in the, in the religious uh, requirement, uh, two and a half percent of your wealth, you have to give away every, every year. Uh, so we can encourage how to use this money uh, into social business direction, that uh, you create uh, funds with this money to invest in social business if religious requirement fulfills, is fulfilled by that. So these are the kind of thing, encouragement and uh, being cheerleader at the same time using the tools that you have in your hand, policy tools that you have in your hand, in the government hand. And since you mentioned uh, students, I'd like to zoom in to our youth and, and our future leaders. In what way do you think that the next generation of uh, strategic uh, philanthropists, but also social entrepreneurs 
will change how social and environmental impact is pursued uh, in the years to come? Well, young people will change the world. That's their, uh, it, came to, it comes to them now because uh, older generation have failed in uh, creating the world that they can have a good life from this planet because pl planet is already threatened in a big way. Uh, that's what the global warming will soon will be meeting at the COP26, discuss that, how close we are. We are at the verge of extinction, literally, if we don't be careful. And I try to remind everybody that the, our house is burning, uh, but inside the house, uh, we are having parties, enjoying ourselves about our economic growth and our uh, business successes or technological successes and so on. Totally uh, ignoring that the house itself will not exist very soon. So our, as a sane person, we have to see how urgent it is. We have to get out of those parties. And first thing to do is to stop the global warming. Because if we don't stop the fire, young people don't have a house left. And that's why their responsibility is to make sure the failure of the previous generations, uh, they don't become the victims. So they, they get in charge of that. That's why we talk about creating a world of three zeros. That's what the message we give. And we say we young people are the most powerful generation in human history right now, the present year, uh, young generation. The reason I say that, I try to explain to them, I say not because you're smarter than the previous generation, simply because you have all the technology in your hand, which no other generation ever had. That makes you extra, extra uh, powerful. So you are literally, you, are, uh, you have a Aladdin's lamp in your hand. You can t do anything you want. But if you're not aware of that power uh, and you're not touching the lamp, uh, that will be wasted away. You cannot preserve it. That power will be gone. So be aware of your power and, and ask yourself what use you want to make of this power. And there you raise the question or uh, bring the conclusion that why don't we create a world of three zeros? Zero net carbon emission so that there is no global warming. Zero wealth concentration so that all the wealth doesn't end up in the hands of few people and other people are deprived. And uh, zero unemployment because unemployment is coming very quickly because of the artificial intelligence. As an instead of forget about the un unemployment, we are basically, uh, as a human being, we are entrepreneurs. We turn ourselves into entrepreneurs, not job seekers. So we will have zero unemployment. That's the direction. These are the three zero that we want to establish and create a new world for us. And that's the that's what the young people should take, concentrate their attention to and make it happen. And they can do it. I mean, uh, so on technology, uh, you've voiced concerns around artificial intelligence making once needed jobs, I guess, obsolete. I'm interested in your views on how technology has changed the nature of social investing uh, in the time that you have been engaged uh, in this space. And also, what do you think might be the next big technological disruption to impact uh, this sector? And what should social investors be doing to prepare for this? The point that I would like to highlight, the technology doesn't have its own mind. Not yet. Soon they will have probably with artificial intelligence. But so far, the technology that we are talking about, it doesn't have its mind. Is the people who use the technology to fulfill their ambitions, their objectives. So unless it's in people's mind, technology can do any, cannot do anything. 
So to say that technology can do this, technology, that's a kind of wrong description. People can do this. If people have it in mind, they will do it. And technology will be a supporting tool that, yes, we make it easy for you. Technology is a, is a convenience. It's something that it, it will be hard for you to do, make it easy for you to do. But the idea that you want to do it, you want to go uh, to the moon, technology makes it possible to go to the moon. Uh, technology doesn't say that I want to go to the moon. Technology doesn't say that. It's a people's need that makes it happen. I want to go over the ocean. Then I design the ship that how to make it happen. So that's the technology they use that I have a vehicle design, which crosses, which handle the problems of going over the ocean and so on. So that's what it does. So to say that how, how much is technology achieving? I said technology is not achieving anything. It's a human being achieving and human being is creating this technology to achieve that. There is a, some uh, a fallout from the technology existing. One technology can be, was designed for something, but I take that technology to fulfill my purpose. It was not designed for that purpose. That's what we can do. That, but, but it is my desire, my intention to make that happen. So if I don't have it in mind, all the technology can be lying on my table. I won't do anything about that because I don't have it in my mind. That's why having that ambition, having that objective is the most important thing. And you've already voiced your uh, concerns about uh, the climate. Uh, of course, you have strong views about what businesses need to be uh, doing to address this climate challenge. With COP26 uh, upon us, are you hopeful that we will succeed in overcoming this challenge? Uh, and also for the, for the aspiring uh, philanthropist and social investor uh, who's passionate about this, what is the most useful thing that they can do uh, today to help address this uh, global issue? Oh, on the first part of your question, I said I'm a, I would say that I'm a compulsive optimist. So I would say that yes, human being will survive, something will happen. But the way it is proceeding, it doesn't look like it. Uh, it's, uh, uh, the urgency is completely missing. It's a business as usual. Uh, businesses are going on. Uh, if you're so desperate to stop the fire uh, in your house, uh, you'll be doing crazy things. You are trying to do sane things only, not the crazy things yet. Uh, the crazy thing will be we will stop using fossil fuel right away because this is destroying our planet and making endangering the future of us. We have, we have become the most endangered species on this planet right now because of the fossil fuel to begin with. There are other things, but the fossil fuel is number one uh, culprit. So we should be stopping uh, fossil fuel right away before we discuss anything. So the moment we talk about fossil fuel in all these discussions, uh, discussions goes kind of a, a very light, very uh, um, uh, indecisive. It's not very concrete, this thing that we are talking about. Uh, you don't want to get involved with that because uh, banks are financing huge amount of money into fossil fuel, you don't stop that. Government is pushing in lots of money into the fossil fuel. You don't stop that. So that's the kind of thing that uh, that urgency is missing. We wonder whether we will get over it. So not because perhaps that the government is doing things. It's because uh, people who want to survive, that young people who want to survive, they will make a uh, decision that we cannot rely on our leaders. We have to take the responsibility ourselves and refuse to use the fossil fuel 
refuse to use anything which is destructive to the planet and so on uh, in, in terms of creating global warming, in terms of uh, uh, creating, uh, uh, destroying the planet itself. So that's the only way out, I say. There's a, this time is coming very soon. There's a kind of a, uh, youth uh, uh, voice raised to make sure that the uh, governments and the political parties are forced to take hard decisions, not just soft decisions and make promises. Thank you, uh, Dr. Yunus, for your dedication, for your passion uh, and the really incredible work that you have done and continue to do. I hope to see you again uh, very soon, inshallah. Thank you very much, brother, for having me with you. Thank you. Thanks a lot.